Welcome back, my friends, to the In Obscuria podcast, a podcast where we exhume obscure rock and punk and metal, and we put them in one of three categories, the lost, the forgotten, or the should-have-beens. My name is Kevin Williams, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Robert Harrison. Hello, hello. What is going on today, my friend? Same thing that went on the past 654 days of quarantine. But at least you're getting out a little bit more, right? Uh, getting out. I've got a little bit of sun, got my farmer's tan going on. Nice. I am. I think I'm getting tired of working outside on the firehouse, though. I think I've reached that point where time to do something different. I don't know what that is yet. But yeah, three months, great. It was therapeutic. Did nothing but stay at home and build things and work on things. It was dream come true. It's kind of what you do. It's what I do now. And so... I don't know. It's time for, I may have to actually pick up a guitar and play it for the first time in five months. Maybe you could do what you do and actually get paid for it too. Oh, that's a novel, novel idea. (laughs) Genius. Yeah. People do get paid for working on things, but I haven't figured that out yet. All right. Well, Hey, go check out some other podcasts we like as well. Check out metal up your podcast, the dummy room, pot of thunder, decibel geek podcast, rock city, Cobras and fire growing up rock, rock strikes 10, Podcast, Kiss Room, I Love It Loudcast, and the Synaptic Empire. Come visit us at itobscurity.com. Like us, share us, recommend us, do all that kind of stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if I could just do another shameless plug for myself here. You do that. The Swear, the band that I was in for 10 plus years, I guess. We, we have our first release coming out on July 17th, but actually we have our first single being released on June 26th, and I will post something on our social where folks that want to go listen to that on Spotify can go do that. You can actually sign up for it, and then the day of the release, you'll be able to hear the song. Just to clarify, it's not their first release. It's their first release. In years. In years. In years. Yeah, they're, they're veterans. They've, they've done this before. Did I say first release? Yeah. I didn't finish my sentence. Did I? <laughs> I did. That's I'm what I'm here you for. your sentence. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to finish your thoughts for you. I appreciate that. Actually, what you were thinking was... <laughs> <laughs> this week, I have a recurring dream that I want to talk about. That tornado dream? Is that yours? Yeah, that's mine. Oh, well, tell me your recurring dream, and then I'll go into a few that I have. Oh, it's just, it doesn't happen that often, but at least once or twice a year, I'll have a dream that I'm getting chased by a tornado, and it's kind of like a cat and mouse where I'll see it, like, duck behind a tree or something, and, you know, duck behind a building, and I don't want to go towards it, but I don't want to run away because I want to know where it is, and it's just kind of the same thing, and it all stems back from a time when there was a tornado, and I knew it was nearby and getting closer, but I couldn't actually see it because of trees and things like that. So that was 1996. And so ever since then, when I get wound up about something, get a little anxious or just, you know, just wound up in general about something, then that tends to be when it happens. So that's my version of a recurring dream. Now, is yours like truly emotional and really frightening? No, that one is devoid of any real emotions. It's just, I need to know where that tornado is. It's it, When I wake up, I'm not like drifting sweat. Those emotions, 
those dreams are weird when you have an emotional dream that is yeah. about emotion. A real fear. So it's not yeah. like a real fear. No, of it's more of just, I, it's a practical thing. Like I need to know where that thing is. And it's got a mind oh, of its okay. own and it's like trying to hide. So no, that's more of just a recurring dream. But an emotional dream would be something that, you know, you wake up and for a minute or so after you wake up, you're still feeling that emotion. Like you're not sure if you're awake or asleep still. So I have a more current one that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but I do have one from when I was a kid, and I would love you to psychoanalyze this. I'm ready. This Lay down on the couch right there. Yeah. Tell so, me about your dream. All right. So this is from when I'm a very small kid. So this has to be late 70s, maybe early 80s, but I think more late 70s. All right. And I'm in, and you get this, I'm in the Brady Bunch's kitchen. <laughs> if you remember the Brady Bunch, I was in the kitchen. Yeah, I remember the kitchen. But It was an open concept floor plan. The, there's a door in the kitchen, like those doors that, uh, like bar, butler, butler doors, butler or, doors, is that the ones you, that go in and yeah. out, uh, the, saloon doors, saloon saloon, doors. that's it. There I was going to get to it. Saloon so there doors. were saloon doors in there and I am actually, well, now that I think about it, maybe I'm just observing. So somebody has been shrunken down to the size of like a mouse and they are inside. This is so seventies. They are inside like a seventies toaster that is mm. actually made out of lucite, orange lucite. Remember that was a big thing? Yeah, the orange, everything was lucite. Yeah. Chairs, So you can appliances. see through it. You can see the inside of this toaster, and mm. there is a person trapped in there freaking out. And then from the other room beyond the doors, the saloon doors, mm-hmm. I hear this voice that is so low. It's inaudible exactly what it is. It's deeper than that. It's, yeah, it's, really it's, low. And it, and it freaks me out. And I've, I remember mm. this dream from when I was a kid. Now, I haven't had it since I was probably 10 was years old. Was it like old. a rumbling? It was just a rumbling. Not, it was it so was, low. It was something to where I knew that whatever, whoever was behind that voice was like the scariest thing in the world. Demon spawn. I don't know. So psycho, psychoanalyze the hell out of that. I, it makes yeah. no sense to me. It's actually really funny when I think about it now because of the setting and the fact that it's so 70s. It's so cool now. I mean, that would be extremely hip. If I could recreate it, it'd be kind of cool. But anyway, <laughs> but that's not the dream we're going to talk about. The way I got this week's episode is from this recurring dream. So the year 2020, it just kind of sucks, to be honest. Really? It's just not great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you probably probably knew that. Oh, yeah. But I, it has started this dream here again. It's kind of weird. So I dream now that I am wearing the B-girl costume from the Blind Melon video. Yeah. yeah. I'm wearing the B-girl costume and I'm running and I'm being chased by murder hornets. We got to skip that. I think, yeah, we forgot about the murder hornets. We went straight to civil unrest. So it's, They're still coming, by the way. Oh, they're, oh damn it. I thought we yeah. yeah, they didn't just them. stop. Oh, okay. No, Striper was not able to <laughs> do away with them. <laughs> to hell! with the hornets but anyway this is my recurring dream and it keeps happening and are they trying to copulate with you or i don't know but it's reproduce with you or just want to kill you i don't know but they're scaring the hell out of me because you look kind of cute in that costume so (laughs) i'm sure i know i look impressive yeah and the other thing is there's it's almost like i'm watching a movie though it's not like you know it's not real it's like i'm watching a movie Mm -hmm. and there's music in the background and so this is a recurring dream and just the other day i realized what the music is in the background and this is what i'm hearing as i'm running in the B-Girl costume, away from the murder hornets. Is that the murder hornets? Must be. Yeah.
that's what I'm hearing. Bees on crack. Like you, really you have any idea? I, it took metal, me a while to metal realize. Bees? It took me a while to realize what was going on in my head, but but I figured it out. Do you do you know what that is? No, I, I mean really didn't. didn't somebody's getting play, paid by the note. It didn't give you uh, <laughs> a reference to what we're going to talk about today. Speed metal. No. Speed no. guitar. Something today, speedy. today, Robert, we were going to have our second in the series of degrees of separation. Oh, and we were going to talk about degrees of separation extreme <laughs> so that was new oh oh okay okay i was it was, it was extreme p- guitar playing was extreme guitar playing by extreme guitar player noon who's in extreme yeah so like anyway three degrees right there yeah so if, if you guys don't remember we did a degrees of separation a few i don't know several episodes ago and we did king's x well this time we're going to do extreme and what we do here is we look at all the material that a well-known band has outside of that band. So we're going to talk about when Extreme were no longer existed, and the members went off and did some other things, and they were quite prolific, just like King's X were. There's a lot of content out there, a lot of it that people have never heard. Obviously, they didn't make a whole lot other than one that we'll talk about that Gary Sharon was part of. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Do we'll we talk about to, that. Do we have to talk about that? We can talk about it. We're not going to play it. Oh, thank you. But we'll talk about <laughs> it because that's not obscure. No. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. So let's talk about Extreme. What, do you, what are your memories of Extreme? When did they come onto your radar? Right when I was really learning how to play the guitar. And of course, you had to learn more, more than, than words. words because that's the reason I picked up the guitar because chicks like... Chicks dig it. Yeah. And that was the song that I knew, oh yeah, they'll like this song for sure <laughs> so yeah that that's yeah. my first impression of them and so you didn't it. know anything about them no no that. i was oh, just okay. like the general public they had the big power ballad hit and then they followed it up with a couple of good songs that didn't do quite as well and then they disappeared until they reappeared to ruin a certain band never mind <laughs> we'll get there so let's let's talk about who extreme are and where they came from so they are a band from malden massachusetts which is about 20 minutes outside of boston and they formed in 85 86 and this is interesting the original name of gary sharon and paul gary's band was the dream okay when they got nuno they changed their name mm-hmm. so they were no longer in the dream they were x dream ah. so they became extreme because somebody couldn't spell that, and they just wrote it down extreme. So that's how they became extreme. I never knew that. So Nuno and Pat joined after that, and and Extreme was born. So it's Nuno Betancourt on guitar, who is just a virtuoso, amazing guitarist, just a badass. Gary Sharon on vocals, Pat Badger on bass, who is an extraordinary bass player and singer. And really, those three guys, much like King's X, their harmonies are just amazing. They, mm-hmm. they can all three sing, and you'll see as we go through this today that they can all carry the lead role as a lead singer. And then Paul Gary was on drums. Their first album actually came out in 1989, and I remember when that came out. Uh, I remember thinking it was kind of silly, some of the songs, like Mama, Can I Go Out and Play Today, and mm-hmm. things like that. And they had some nursery rhymes, like kitschy, kind of fun. I mean, the guitar playing was amazing. The The songs were pretty good, but nothing major. And then their second album came out, and I heard the song Decadent Dance, mm-hmm. which is just a great, great song. And I, I got hooked on them then in 1990. And that album was called Pornography. It was produced by Michael Wagner, and it actually had a number one single on it, which we just talked about, mm-hmm. as well as a number four hit. So More Than Words was number one, which is, that's a big deal to have a number one song. And then Whole 
Departed was actually a number four hit. So the the album went double platinum in no time. I'm, I don't know what it would be today, but at the time it was double platinum. And those two songs kind of ruled the fate of the band a little bit because they didn't really represent the kind of music they played. They mm-hmm. were a funk metal band. We've talked about this in our funk episodes. Mm-hmm. That a lot of the glam metal hair bands were sort of leaning or several of them were leaning towards this kind of funky sound and Extreme was sort of leading that. And that album, Pornography, has a lot of those funky metal songs in it. Um, they, they went all in with Get the Funk Out. I that's mean, they, on that, that's on the, that album. Exactly. Yeah, Get the Funk Out. It still went double platinum and in between the second album and third album, Freddie Mercury passed away and they had the, the Freddie Mercury tribute show. And Extreme played that tribute show, which I believe was in Wembley Stadium. It had, you know, like every major rock star that was still alive mm-hmm. paid tribute to Freddie. Metallica was there, Def Leppard. So I'm thinking of all the big bands at the time. And Extreme was there too. So they were considered the elite at that time with Metallica, with Def Leppard, with Guns N' Roses. Those were all their contemporaries at that Mm -hmm. time. And they were on that sold out Wembley Stadium paying tribute to Freddie Mercury. And they did an amazing, I don't know if you ever heard it, but they did an amazing medley of Queen songs. It's like 13 minutes long. Oh wow! And they go through almost all the phases of Queen. So Mm -hmm. they they don't just focus on one era. They kind of do everything. Mm -hmm. It's really, really good. But then their third album came out right when grunge was really taken over. In 1992, they came out with three size to every story. It's a double album. It had basically three different sections, like a hard rock and funky section. Then it had a more mellow, more than words-ish kind of section. And then it ended with, I guess, a symphonic proggy epic mm-hmm. that was like a 26-minute long song or something. Well, like they, that. they were trying to top Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. I, it is basically is their version of that. Yeah, because that was the thing. The I hair actually, bands were going... Of course, I love that album. That's a really, really strong album. But, of course, it, it didn't do nearly the success that the second album did, and the times were changing, right, with, with that kind of music. Um, it still went gold in the U.S., so it's not like it didn't do well. Mm-hmm. And, and they had a couple of hits off of it. But by the time the fourth album came around, 1995, the, the kind of music that they had been doing was just not in fashion anymore, no. not in vogue. And they actually changed their sound. It, they, they released an album called Waiting for the Punchline in 95, and I love it. I think it's great. It's dark. It's heavy, it's kind of grungy, but it's a really, really good album. It also features a new drummer. So Paul Geary, this is the cool part of the story. For the fourth album, Paul Geary left, and he left to become a manager. He liked the business aspect of music more so than playing. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to, to go out and, and be a manager. So he is the person that's responsible for finding and signing Godsmack. He unleashed mm-hmm. Godsmack to all of us. And then if you fast forward to 2005, so 10 years later, so he, he managed a whole bunch of bands that you'll know. And then 10 years later, he's so good at what he does that the mogul, Erzing Azoff, actually partners with him and they form an alliance and have another management company and they're managing Smashing Pumpkins, Alter Bridge, Creed, Scorpions, Fuel, Steel Panther, Jason Bonham, Hoobastank, uh, Joe Perry, Johnny Depp, and Extreme. He manages his old band. <laughs> nice. I mean, just a, an interesting story. This guy goes on to be uber, uber successful mm. doing that. So I can only imagine what that's like to be on both sides of, of that business and have success of that level. Well, and sides. it's funny to think about because their biggest hit, the thing that stands out to me is their music video because the poor drummer doesn't even play on the song. And so he's in the background of the video <laughs> just waving. And I always thought, right. well, that, that must suck. You know, the biggest hit, you don't even play on it. And that, The biggest could, two hits, really. Biggest I, don't, two, I don't think Wholehearted has... There's like a, probably a tambourine or something. Bit, yeah. He probably gets in there just you know under the wire, but still, that's awesome to hear that you know a- after yeah. all that it didn't lead to 
tension in the band. It didn't lead to him feeling left out. No, he no. goes, you know, that's cool, but I'm going to manage it. I'm going to manage you guys. So <laughs> yeah. it makes tons of money from it too, probably. Exactly. So it's just a crazy story. So they got Mike Mangini for the fourth album, Waiting for the Punchline. And Mike Mangini we'll talk about later as well, but most people know him for being the, the drummer in Dream Theater. He replaced Mike Portnoy back in 2010 as the, the drummer, and he's, he's now the current drummer in Dream Theater. That's how most people know him. But anyway, when they were touring for this album, they went from playing sold-out arenas to playing clubs, mm-hmm. which is a, a lot of those bands, that's what they ended up doing. And I had the opportunity to see them at a small club in Greenville, South Carolina, which was about 30 minutes away from Clemson, where I was going to school. And our buddy Paul Johnson and I, mm-hmm. we had just finished our tape for Minor Earth. We just had it produced, and we had our own tape with like six songs on it. Cassette it, tape. Yes, cassette tapes. And we took a handful of those tapes up, and we were going to hand them out to people as we stood in the line waiting to get into the show. And then Paul said, you know, if we just wait around at the end, I bet we can meet the band and hand them the tapes. They're going to love it. They'll love it. <laughs> so that's what we did. We went to a Sea Extreme at a small place called Characters in Greenville. Great show. Mike Mangini played this drum kit that was all rototoms. Oh. It was interesting, and it, it looked kind of like a tree. So it went from in the middle of the drum kit was the smallest rototom, and then it went out on both sides with the same size rototons mm-hmm. because he's ambidextrous and he was doing this crazy right hand left hand stuff switching it up and it was you know it was really cool to watch yeah. I've never seen anything like it very bizarre no I've never seen a full set with nothing but rototons yeah it was really crazy so anyway we watched the show have a great time Extreme just kicked ass. It was a small venue. It wasn't sold out. In one hand, it was a little bit sad. And on the other hand, it was like, I'm getting to see these guys really up close. Mm. This band that was just huge and are amazing. So I enjoyed it. You kind of picture like I'm seeing them before they get big in a way. Cause in a way. You don't get to yeah. see those big bands at small venues always. Especially not then. It was just so weird of a time because that's exactly what happened to all those bands that had been playing and selling out arenas only three years, five mm. years earlier. They went from the, you know, four different Prevos that were touring them around to one Ford O'Connell line, just like we had. Yeah. Well, they had a bus. So that's that's where the story leads next. We wait outside. Stalking, I don't know. Stalking in the van. Yeah. We're those guys in the parking lot. And when they walk out, they don't all walk out together. Mm-hmm. So Pat comes out, the bass player. Hey, Pat, how are you, man? And there's other people out there, too. And I hand him a tape. And he's like, oh, thanks. Appreciate it. So I'm like, oh, we're going to get nice. signed for sure. <laughs> It's guaranteed. It's a guarantee. Not realizing that Extreme are kind of on their way out, you know. But anyway, I hand it to Pat, and then Mike Mangini comes out, and he's just the nicest dude in the world. He talks to us for, I don't know, 20 minutes. Gary didn't really want to have anything to do with anybody. He Mm kind of went straight to the bus, so we didn't bother Gary. And then Nuno came out, and I just got all geeked up and excited. And Nuno comes out, and he's kind of going down the line, talking to people out Mm -hmm. on his way to the bus. The the man's just trying to get to the bus, right? He's probably got to go to the bathroom, man. I don't, don't know. I don't know what he's got to do. But so he's and I don't know, you know, I'm I'm like 20 years old, maybe 19, 20 years old. And I'm just super excited. And I have this cassette tape in my hand of my band that I'm going to hand. And I'm playing guitar in this band, mind you. And I'm going to hand this to one of the greatest guitar players of the time. And he puts out his hand to shake my hand. All I'm focused on is getting this tape into his hand. Uh-huh. And I like cream I mean, just slam into his hand with this plastic cassette like tape. stabbing him. In hindsight, and he's, he goes, ow! And, and he's like, he kind of looks at me with like a nasty face. And, and in hindsight, now I'm, I'm looking at like, I could have caused severe nerve damage to one of the greatest guitar players of all time <laughs> by slamming my 
And you still would have hoped your band would have gotten signed, even with that. You're like, well, maybe, you know. (laughs) I did apologize. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I think in my head, I thought he was going for the cassette that was in my hand. Yeah, you thought he He was just going for a handshake, right? To say, "How are you?" I forgot all the pleasantries and just went right for, "Hey, I got a band," you know, that whole thing. Yeah, I've I've been there. And uh, so anyway, you know, Extreme were were going out. That was their last album. I may have been the cause. He was going to survive on (laughs) studio work for the rest of his life, but you ruined it. Ruin his studio work for the rest of his life because that pinky finger he couldn't work anymore. I will never forget that that I hurt Nuno. Well, thank God we don't have cassette tapes anymore because they're just yeah. dangerous. Right. <laughs> you can't really sling a digital release at him, can you? No. Here's an MP3, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so they broke up in '96 after I ruined Nuno's hand. <laughs> Nuno decides to go solo, but the bigger story that year was mm, what that, we've alluded to. Is that 96? Well, it was 96 when when he got the invite. So Gary okay. Sharone got the invitation. I can't remember what year it was. Well, their album, the, so Gary Sharone got the invitation to replace Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. Bad idea. Van Halen 3 came out in 98. Now, I've listened to it. I didn't listen to it much when it first came out. I didn't think much of it. I thought it was way too serious and not Van Halen sounding at mm. all. But when you go back and listen to it and you don't really think about the fact that it's Van Halen, it's not bad. It's not horrible. It's not good. No. But because Eddie sings on a song and that is horrible. Ooh, it's ooh, really bad. It's no. like smoker throat sings on a song it's yeah. really bad lots of but the gary stuff i mean gary's stuff is still good now i remember that album tanking or at least i thought mm-hmm. it did but when i did the review on van halen 3 which is the only album he's on it actually went gold in the u.s and it had a number one hit without you was a number one hit on modern rock radio now, i can't recall that song at all no 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 no, no. that's there's got to be some weird glitch it was number one on modern, modern rock. rock radio. Now, was modern rock not alt rock? So it was a very small genre. Possibly. So in 1996, that could have been where they put everybody else. Alt rock was yeah. the big thing. Totally. So modern rock could be like 178 people listening to that. I don't know version, but. Apparently, it did better than I thought. Uh-huh. Now, I've also gone on to YouTube and, and checked out some of the Van Halen shows where he's the singer. And there's there's a complete show on YouTube from Australia. And it's not bad. The songs, the old Dave songs that he sings on, mm-hmm. and even the Sammy songs, they sound pretty good. No, well, he's, he's a, good, a singer. good singer. Yeah, there's no question about that. And he seemed to have a fairly decent chemistry with the band, but... That album just, in the scheme of Van Halen albums, it's just, woof. There wasn't enough, skillaboo, skillaboo, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's weird. So Extreme would regroup in the mid-2000s and release another album. Paul Gary never came back. They had a different drummer. And I got to see them again. <laughs> I didn't hurt Nuno this time, but I, I, I did get to see them again, get to meet Nuno again. And I didn't bring up the fact that I'm the kid that hurt his hand probably in... in 96 or whatever <laughs> they were touring with king's x and so for oh. me that was just an amazing show i saw it in here in that's Atlanta. a lot of talent on one stage center, center stage it was king's x and then extreme it was just amazing great 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 show and then i did see nuno one more time i saw him on the kiss cruise in 2017 i saw extreme they ever since then they've just kind of done these reunion gigs mm. um, because nuno has gone on to be rihanna's guitarist and he's been doing that for years so he tours with a money-making Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they do big shows. <laughs> a big money making uh, event is Rihanna. So, but he gets together with Extreme and they do you know the odd shows here and there. Anyway, I saw them uh, in 2017, and we did this excursion with uh, Joe Polo from Podcast Rock City. He and I did this excursion with his buddy Bruce, who we were in Mexico, 
And I guess Bruce found this little place that wasn't one of those things that you got through the cruise line. It was something he had found. And they picked us up and we rode like this off-road adventure. It's, you know, it's amazing that any of us, you know, are able to sit down today Mm -hmm. because the bumps and everything we went over, these were not roads that were paved and massive holes in them. We thought we were being driven out to to our deaths, perhaps. The cartel. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, we end up at this amazing little resort area that you can just hang out and get this amazing food. and, And they've got all these tiki huts and amazing water and snorkeling and all that stuff. So anyway, we're there for maybe an hour, and the the people that own the place are expats, and they go, hey, we have a rock star coming, so just, you know, try to be cool. And we're like, okay, well, we're on the Kiss Cruise. And like, oh, yeah, well, there, there's somebody from the Kiss Cruise. And we're like, Ooh. So we didn't know who it was. Mm-hmm. It's Nuno. So <laughs> Nuno shows up, and we're in the water, and I see Nuno out with his really pretty girlfriend. Oh, I'm sure. And he's in a kayak, you know, with his shirt off, doing the Nuno thing. And I did, I wasn't going to say anything to him. And, of course, I think somebody we're, we're with tries to strike up a conversation with him. You could tell he just paddled as quickly as he could <laughs> to get off. <laughs> and I'm going the and other And I'm direction. out. But they were great. So extreme still around. But let's jump into some of the things that happened in that time where there was no band extreme. So after 1995, I was waiting for the punchline. Nuno goes out solo. Gary goes to Van Halen for... A while, a little while, and then it just kind of goes into a bunch of other places. So let's jump into it. The first one we're going to talk about is a Nuno band. So he goes out and does a solo album in 97. And then he puts together a band after that because he tours on the solo album and decides, oh, well, I kind of like the band that I've put together. Maybe we should become a band. And so they become the Morning Widows. And they actually put out uh, two albums under this name and it's kind of alt-rock more so than than maybe what he was doing prior to that and the interesting thing about this band is it's one of those bands where they were big in japan they did really well in japan i don't even know that they had a u.s release until after the fact but they released albums in 98 and 2000 in japan and they had a bunch of success and it was nuno on vocals and all instruments but bass on the first album at least So, yeah, so let me tell you a little bit about Nuno, because I thought that was interesting when I see that he played every instrument, including drums. Because usually these guys, they'll play, of course, they'll play guitar and bass and sing. Mm -hmm. Also, to play the drums, you got to be pretty good. So Nuno, who was actually born in Portugal, he moved to the U.S. when he was four, grew up just outside of Boston. He was originally a drummer. His first musical endeavor was as a drummer. And he was also an actor. He played hockey. He played football. He dropped out of school to focus on music like his junior year in high school. And he switched to guitar. His brother played guitar and he switched to guitar. And when he dropped out of schools, he started really focusing on guitar. Mm. So he has some chops on the drums, which you'll hear. This is Morning Widows. The song's called War Paint. And the album is their second album called Furnished Souls for Rent 2000.
Very nice. I wonder how much of a conscious effort was put in to not sound like extreme. It was very stripped down, definitely rocked out, but it was very simple, straightforward, not overproduced, the exact opposite of most 80s, early 90s stuff. The Guitar Lee definitely sounded a little alternative, a little pre-Jack White with the, uh, with the pitch. pitch shifter thing yeah. on it. But yeah, that, that's really good stuff. I liked it. Yeah, and I, I actually totally lied to you before the song. You bastard. I, I did. I totally lied to you. I, I said that he better. was playing drums. I just remembered this is from the second album. He didn't play drums on the second album. Oh. So they did add a drummer for the second album. But we will hear another song that's that he does good. play drums on. Okay. But anyway, he did play everything, uh, guitars. Uh, well, he had a bass player, so I'm lying again. He was the guitarist and the singer. And singer. <laughs> so I'll get it right eventually. That that was actually uh, Sammy Hagar singing that song right there. That was actually him. <laughs> that come, was come to no find singing. out. That much I do know. There's another song we're gonna do later where he does play drums. But he played drums on their first album. Their second album, they got a drummer. He made lunch that day too. So guitar sang and made lunch for the band. So much talent there. There you go. Okay, let's talk about Pat Badger. Now, his stuff's a little bit harder to find, but anybody can go. Finally, Once I finally found it, you can go to bandcamp.com, and Pat Badger has an album that came out, I think, in the early 2000s. It was called Badger, and it's I'm not playing anything from it. It's a little too syrupy. To me, it sounded like church rock you know like when you go to these mm. contemporary churches and mm. or at least here in the states high five con- to jesus i mean it didn't have that kind of vocal delivery but just the music itself sounded a little bit like i think they call it praise music yeah it just sort of had that sound to me it's probably not at all what he's going for but that's just what i heard i wouldn't say that to his face however the second album which is called nasty ass honey badgers <laughs> now that's a good one <laughs> You can't nice. confuse that Best one. Best album name today. Yeah, that's the band name, too. Uh, band name, okay. Yeah. Nasty it's, ass- it is not only the album name, but it's the band name. Nasty Ass Badgers. So Nasty Ass Honey Badgers. Honey Badgers, sorry. Nasty Ass Honey Badgers. Oh. And they put out Take What We Want uh, is the song I'm going to play. They put this out in 2016. I couldn't find any information on who else is playing on this. So I know it's Pat singing, and I know that Pat's playing the bass, but I don't know who's playing guitar. But let's check it out. The nasty ass nasty. honey badgers. Nasty.
that was heavy. That did not sound like church music. Not in, at all. I mean, that's my kind of church. I'm just <laughs> church si- of rock and roll. Sign me up. Pass the plate. Damn, channeling some serious Slayer in that. I don't know who played guitar. Like I said, I, I looked it up and couldn't find really any information. On How it. is that not more better known? More better. More widely known. <laughs> Mo better. How is that not better known? I don't. That's know, a great song. I mean, the whole album just kicks ass. Nasty ass Nasty honey badgers. Ass. Go to Bandcamp and download it. It's great. Wow, I'm impressed. I mean, for something that I've never heard, even don't even know who the members are other than Pat one. Badger. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to me, it sounded like Nuno. It may have been. It, Nuno. it sounded a lot like that, but who knows? I mean, it sounded like there were two guitars playing off of one another. Yeah, so it had he might have been two known guitars. I'm sure somebody out there is screaming right now. At wherever they're listening to this, that was they're me. Like, that was no. They, or that they, was my cousin. They probably Steve. know exactly who it is. Uh, yeah. You well, then tell us, Nuno, and tell yeah. us. We want to know. Yeah. Tell us. What I do know is that Gary Sharon left Van Halen. Thank God. After <coughs> <laughs> man, sorry, man. Wow. I don't okay. know where that came from. But he left them with a second Gary Sharon Van Halen album on the shelf. Did you know that? They recorded a whole bunch of stuff. They were going to release a second album a year after the first one came out. And the record company didn't didn't see any hits or anything that they could promote. Mm-hmm. And so they shelved it. And, and you, that's never come out. And I wonder, there's some of it is, you know, was it good or bad? And then some of it was maybe backlash from the fan, the really I'd hardcore have to, fans. I'd have to think it was backlash from maybe their expectations that, because with Sammy, Van Halen were on top. I mean, they had their biggest hits. Yeah, with Sammy bigger, Hagar, bigger than and they got with bigger David and bigger Lee. and bigger. So I think from a record company perspective, they were probably thinking that this would just continue that trajectory yeah. that they had. Well, it kind of showed the songwriting of Sammy is what elevated those guys. I mean, it who, wasn't Who knows Eddie's what it was. It was, the, it was the time. It was, you know, the place. I, I don't know. But anyway, they he actually left Van Halen because, and they left on good terms. They, yeah. It wasn't like a firing or anything. They just decided, okay, this isn't working. Obviously, the, right. the company's not getting behind us. We'll just go our separate ways. But they left an album on the shelf. So he took a couple of those songs into a new band called Tribe of Judah. They put out an EP and they put out a full length and that was kind of it. So they put out an EP in 2001 and then a full length in 2002. Now, what's cool about Tribe of Judah is he brought back Pat Badger. So Pat's playing bass and singing, and he has Mike Mangini on drums. So it's kind of a mini reunion of, of Extreme without Nuno. It's alternative because it, it came out in 2002. So it's like a mix of alternative, a little bit of hard rock, but mainly electronica and industrial, a little bit of funk. Mm-hmm. So it's like a totally different thing. It's a really cool album. You have to be a little more open-minded if you're a hard rock fan because that's not exactly what you're getting. All right, I'm opening my mind right now. you got to open your mind. If you're expecting Extreme, that's not what you're going to get, even though you have three past members of Extreme in it. So check out Tribe of Judah. I'm going to play the song called No One, and the album is called Exit Elvis. It came out in 2002.
definitely a little more Nine Inch Nails than Extreme. See, I heard like, um, I mean, that's how it was written in the in the write up about the album and all the reviews I saw. But I hear like it's almost like Extreme trying to do Peter Gabriel. <laughs> What, that's that's what I'm hearing. It's like you know, like Steam and those kinds yeah. of songs that Gabriel had. A kind of a lot going on. A little in the bit dancey. A lot of cool beats that mm-hmm. aren't really drums. And I don't know. I th- I like it. I think it's cool. It's definitely not extreme. Mm-hmm. So to have three members from the band in it's very different. But with the vocals, that was the commonality between the two. I could hear that with the bass. I couldn't tell. Very that simple versus, that, yeah, yeah, but with the vocals, you could tell there was some extreme in there. After Morning Widows, you know, Nuno has success in Japan, and he kind of continues on that. He puts together a band called Population One, but he runs into some legal issues with the name after they've already released two, <laughs> two albums. Oops. So then they, they basically take the same band that was called Population One and had some albums out, and they renamed them Drama Gods, which I think is a really cool name. Yeah, I like that. And they put out one album called Love in 2005, and this was another one of those big in Japan. This did really well, and it's really, it's a little different from what they were doing when they were called Population One. It, this is really a power pop record mm-hmm. i think you would actually really like it but we'll, we'll see you may come back and say this sucks but <laughs> it seems like something you would like i reserve the it, right it's kind of it's so it's it's true power pop it's funky it's a little bit hard rock and it's a little bit alt rock it came out in 2005 so it it sounds to me almost like what some of the japanese bands were doing during that same time that we've you know gone down that road as well so curious to see what you think i'm going to play a song called soke s-o-k yeah so okay it's okay
Most guitar players, I know what they're playing, even though I don't know how they're playing it. And then Nuno comes in and does things. I'm like, I don't even know what that was. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right. Was it just a specifically pinch harmonic? It was yeah. not. It, it was just something different that caught my ear on that. That yeah, I love hearing that. And there's no, I have no concept how to play that on the guitar. <laughs> when it's like this total power pop, great 
hooks in the chorus and all that. He, they know, didn't overdo the chorus. lead. It wasn't one of these show-off songs where but I've got a Nuno. lead. Yeah, <laughs> it was him. He was doing an amazing job, but it wasn't too much. It was a good power pop song. I mean, in the whole album's that way. They kind of got broken up a little too soon because of something they go to do with Perry Farrell, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But next, we're going to talk about Gary again. So Gary Sharon, the singer from Extreme, he actually put a band together in the time between Extremes with his brother, Marcus, on guitar. So Gary and Marcus form a band called Hurt Smile. One one word, Hurt Smile. And this is a really, this is the heavy side of Gary Sharon. This is, I think you're going to be just blown away by how heavy it is. And it's kind of similar to the 1995 Extreme album that came out that was real dark and, and mm. heavy, kind of their last thing that they did before they broke up the first time. So they put this band together in 2007 after Tribe of Judah, and they had to put it on hold because they got Extreme back together and they did some reunion shows. And I mentioned I saw Extreme with King's X, so this was the time frame when that happened. But when Nuno joined Rihanna and started doing that as his main gig main really good paying gig, I'm assuming. Gary went back and said, hey, bro, let's do our band again and we're going to record it. So they did. They recorded their first album in 2011 called Hurt Smile. And I'm going to play a song called Set Me Free. Now, it's interesting. This show is called Degrees of Separation of Extreme. And it's also, there's a lot of that going on within the bands that these guys go to in the interim between Extreme. So the bassist in this band is Joe Pasilla. Now, he actually played in Nuno's band, Drama Gods, that we just heard, but he was the guitarist. He was a, a rhythm guitarist. So there's, there's degrees of separation, and then we'll see that K-Fig, who was Nuno's drummer in Population One, he was also then became Drama Gods. He was a drummer in Drama Gods. He's then in the, the project with Perry Farrell. He then becomes the extreme drummer. So it's just all these degrees of separation with with all these different guys and contributing in these different bands. But uh, self-titled debut, Hurt Smile. Never 
like Gary Sharon has just earned even more respect with me. So I, I will apologize for any disparaging comments I made about him and Van Halen. But I, I was thinking during that song that if the surviving members of Soundgarden ever wanted to get together for any project, that I would actually love to hear him that would sing be cool. some Chris Cornell because he was channeling yeah. some serious Chris Cornell. He had the lower parts and then Never the upper about range. That. He could nail all those upper ranges that... Chris did back in the day that uh, that's a whole nother level of his talent right there. That that would be really cool to hear some kind of collaboration. Yeah. Interesting. I thought you'd like that. I mean, it just gives you, that's, that's to more me, my he, style. Sa- he sounds so good when he's singing heavy. Yeah. I, not so the, good. not the, well, once again, it all boils down to all the hairband stuff. I kind of liked, but I knew I could never do that. That wasn't me. I couldn't sing like that. I couldn't play guitar like that. And so it was kind of a turnoff when you got into the heavier, grungier stuff. I started thinking, okay, maybe I can do that. Yeah, and it started opening up to me, so I gravitated more towards that music, even though I like the hair bands and I listen to it. It just was never as personal as what came right after that. So yeah, music like that, I could picture myself playing that, not necessarily singing that high, but and singing that, something like that. That guitar, so that's his brother Marcus playing guitar, yeah. and he actually got some chops too. He he was really good, and I, I just I noticed that there was a it was like a a cool kind of metal hard rock lead, but it definitely he had more bluesy feel to mm-hmm. him than than Nuno. Nuno's yeah. not a blues player. He wasn't shredding it, he was but it was definitely had like a hard. blues background in his playing, but. Man, he he must have just been, if he's that good of a player, Mm. which obviously he is, I bet he was just like chomping at the bit when his brother is going off and doing all these amazing things, playing Mm. with Van Halen, playing with Extreme, and he's probably like, ugh. That could have been me. (laughs) And they got their chance to play together. They put out two albums. I actually saw a story where he was on the verge of, you know, joining one of the bands and he made the mistake of handing him a cassette and it hurt hurt Eddie's hand. And Eddie was like, fuck off, man. No, get out of here. Eddie would have kicked my ass. Nudo's a nice guy. If I had done that to Eddie Van Halen, he would have cold cocked me. Valerie, get get this guy. Yeah, he would have sick Michael Anthony on me. I like where you went with that. Nice, nice. Played very well. Let's talk about, I alluded to it earlier about Nuno playing the drums. Now I'm actually going to let you hear what he sounds like on the drums. I'm, I'm not lying to you this time. We're, we're going to go there. So the first Population One album that came out in 2001, this is uh, the band that eventually became Drama Gods. But on the first album, he recorded everything himself. So he left Morning Widows. They put out two albums, Morning Widows. And remember, he had put that band together after his first solo outing. And then you put that band together, they released two albums, and then he decides, I want to go solo again, but I'm not going to call it Nuno. I'm going to call it Population One. He really wanted to focus on being more alternative, I guess, and a little more introspective with his music. So he also had lost his mother around this time. So I think he was making a, a very personal album. Now, by the time you get to the second Population One release, it's the same thing that happened before. He puts out an album, does it all himself, and then realizes, oh, if I'm going to play these songs live, I got to have a band. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he gets a band, and then they become Population One, later becoming Drama Gods. He wrote a lot of this material in 2001 based around losing his mom and also the events of 9-11. The tone of the album is a little darker, mm-hmm. uh, a little more introspective, n- not so fun fun. So this is Nuno playing everything. This is Rescue from Population 1, 2001.
I didn't really get into it until it got heavier towards the end. Then I found myself really getting into it. And then I had that weird Spanish fly thing that kind of stood out to me. <laughs> I didn't know where that came from. but Interesting, right? Yeah. There was an instrumental piece that's kind of that Spanish-Portuguese Mm-hmm. guitar in, in one of the extreme albums the, the real heavy dark one uh, Waiting for the Punchline it's an instrumental and I think he still plays that today when he plays with extreme but it has that kind of flair to yeah. it so he's obviously so schooled that he can play all these different styles That's classical and <laughs> it's amazing it, it does seem out of place in the never song play though that good. definitely seems out of place yeah, in the song like out of nowhere it's so unique that I wanted to play it but that was him playing every single instrument doing all the vocals mm-hmm. an amazing thing to do if you think about that for a minute I've never had the skills to play drums that's a whole different part of your brain and I've got bad respect I know you do it and a couple of the people we play with did that and I just it doesn't work with my brain but we haven't talked about Mike Mangini much I'm not going to play any dream theater but I think people know who they are I mentioned that Nuno put out a solo album the whole reason that Extreme split up back in 96 is because he wanted to go off and do a solo album and he did most of it uh, you know by himself and with, he did bring in some folks to help him and one of those persons is Mike Mangini so he, he did have Mike come in and do a few songs he had Gary come in and do one song with him on his solo album mm-hmm. and it's really uh, of the time sound album to me. I don't know. You, you you tell me. It's it's definitely him trying to fit in, I believe, from somebody who was making hits maybe in the, the late 80s, early 90s, and then trying to find his place as he went from what he was doing to mm. somewhere new. Uh, so the name of the, the album is uh, Schizophonic, which I always thought was a cool name. And it's just under the name Nuno. It's not even under Nuno Betancourt. It's just Nuno. And the song I'm going to play is called Swollen Princess. And again, it has Mike Mangini on it. Now, just a little bit on Mike Mangini. He played with a thrash metal band. The, the biggest selling Canadian thrash metal band, Annihilator. Mike Mangini played on their only album that was on a major label. And so he played with them, toured with them, and then he went to Extreme from that band. And the interesting thing about that is he also holds five world records for the fastest drummer. <laughs> So it makes sense that he started off in a, yeah, in a thrash, thrash band. What band. Did they... but, but he does hold world records. And he also, before he went to Dream Theater, after he played in what I'm about to play and in some other bands, he actually went and taught at Berkeley College of Music. So the guy's brilliant. Just amazing drummer. It makes sense that he would go take Mike Portnoy's place in Dream Theater. That's the kind of technical drummer that he is. So he's really subdued here. <laughs> and when, when you hear this, although there, there are a couple little intricacies, but it's not Dream Theater. So this is from Nuno's first solo album that came out in 1997. The song again is called Swollen Princess. I'll die, 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 I'll die,
popular that would have been if he had never been an extreme if, or if he had left the guitar laid out let, yeah and that I, I was wondering if he's going to sneak one in it, it sounded so non-extreme it sounded so of the time 1997 yeah. that's that could STP, have been on any x radio station yeah, out there at that time 100 percent. i don't know if it was because of the lead or because every it's record because company exec would go oh it's the guy from extreme yeah no thanks yeah no that's a hairband guy yeah hairband. just write him off just because of the band he was in despite the fact that he probably had still had a good look at that point he wasn't old and bloated or anything dude he still looks amazing the guy does not age have you seen him no he looks exactly the same he's ripped to the bejesus he has, still has the long hair you know i've just let myself go since then completely i well, I, I have <laughs> but my god i mean he he does the man does not age it must be the the portuguese blood i don't know but but yeah i mean with, yeah, it, without it, a, pre, a precursor of a his, you know the the prehistory going into that yeah, if exactly. that had been just some band not even from seattle at this point the seattle bands had already made their name. And maybe that's why after this, he no longer used his name. He went, you know, he, he called the band uh, Morning Widows. Right. Just which they himself from that. You know, Morning Widows weren't that much of a departure from that, although they did bring the funky kind of metal back to it a little bit. Yeah. So they had a little more groove. This album is really straight, pop. not groove, and it's, it's just yeah. pop rock of that time mm-hmm. and really could have been a hit. Uh, but it, it didn't sell well. No. And I think you're right. I think you, you hit it. It's because it had Nuno's name on it. Yep. And maybe because Nuno's probably ripping leads through throughout it when the that wasn't album, in yeah. vogue. No, that was definitely not in vogue. It, it almost sounded like he was trying to channel Eve 6 or whatever was going on at that time. Yeah. Almost a little too hard. Like I think these were his songs, and, and obviously he was passionate about it, but it was so far removed from his past. Mm. So let's talk about Perry Farrell. Are you a Jane's Addiction fan? Yes, and I actually like his the Porno for Pyros oh, project. Okay, great. Because we will make great pets. <laughs> I, actually, I always love Perry Farrell. It's just so weird. Yeah. You know, he's, he's just, just a truly weird. Odd, just a truly odd person that's Absolutely. amazing. I strive to be that way. Um, I, I, 
you know, you listen to interviews with him and it's, it's like, where is this guy from? <laughs> He's in a different plane. He's from a different planet. But he actually grabbed the drama god's band for the most part. He grabbed the, the drummer, the guitarist, which is Nuno, and the keyboardist. Formed a new project right after the second reunion of Jane's Addiction. So anyway, after that, he puts together, obviously he had Porno for Pyros kind of in between all that as well. And he puts together a new band that he wants to be like a dance, electronica, Perry Farrell's version of a dance band and so he forms this band called Satellite Party and he takes Nuno and again it was three members from Drama Guys and it's very dancey very electronica mixed with rock so it, it still throws in the the stuff that Perry's known for it's really outside of what Nuno's done although now he plays for Rihanna so maybe not so much they also played Lollapalooza in 2005 which is pretty cool however before the tour so they put out an album in 2007 and before the tour Nuno and K-Fig both leave the band I think there was some internal issues mm-hmm. with Perry Farrell and his wife and so they decide they're going to leave the band and that's when Extreme regrouped regrouped and did their thing and put out a new album Nuno I think had a lot to do with the album he plays leads on it but he kind of got out of it before it really got going and the album is called ultra payloaded 2007 and the song i'm going to play is a kind of reimagined version of the rare earth song which is real funky called i just want to celebrate and you're dinging <laughs> is your pop tart ready sorry <laughs> <laughs> ultimate faux pas i just want to
mm, 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 mm. Le- like right? leftover funk yeah. from last episode. Yeah. That probably should have gone on a funk episode. Yeah, but it man, can go either just, way. It's just so cool. So, it, that was good. I keep alluding to this band all the way through this episode, so yeah. I, I wanted to get to that song. No, I appreciate. I thought you Satellite Party was so cool. And who knows? Maybe that was an opening for him to start thinking about playing with somebody like Rihanna, that, doing a more electronic project that. You know, put yeah. that in his mind. That More a, pop and yeah. I mean, because he still brings. It. I mean, he's leading throughout the entire oh, yeah. song. No, he's being good old fashioned Nuno at that point. He's not trying to be somebody else. That album's cool. It features uh, members of the Chili Peppers. There's all sorts of extra musicians that, and artists that come on that that yeah, album. He had, it's just he had really the clout cool. to bring in whoever he wanted to. Anybody that ever played a Lollapalooza, basically, over yeah. Perry. You he, know, he had a them on speed dial. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, he brought the time them all I made in. you millions of dollars by put. Yeah. So that's degrees of separation extreme. I, I'm curious. Did you have any idea no. that these guys had branched out into all these different? No, things? I mean other than the obvious uh, Van Halen branch out. I figured that they had done some solo work that I'd never heard of, but I right. didn't know how deep that went and how good some of it, some of it was. That I really liked some of it. The mid '90s stuff I really liked. Actually, yeah. I wish I would have heard more of it. Well, I know what you really like. Do you like nasty ass honey badger? Nasty ass honey. Damn! That I actually, wish you could find more stuff. I just want the sticker. Well, I'm we going to put the link. I'm going to put the link in the show notes so that people can go because you can't find physical copies of that just like on Amazon. You have to go to Bandcamp. So I'll I'll put that link there for Pat Badger stuff. But if anybody finds any more info on that, let us know, please. Yeah, I'd love to know who played on it. Yeah, I didn't see it listed. So anyway, go check that out. I am going to leave you with a little something extra here at the end. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be our playout song, and stick in for it. It's 13 minutes. <laughs> You're going to like this. Yeah, I'm good. Enjoy. Go the bathroom. This is Extreme playing Wembley Stadium oh. and playing a whole bunch of awesome Queen songs. Nice. We'll see you guys next time. See Later. Ladies and gentlemen, please give your best welcome for Paul, Pat, Nuno, and Gary.
Are you ready? 